0: You are listening to the Benchwarmers podcast, a production with Corks Red FM. Rory O'Hagan here, as always, alongside Neville O'Donoghue. Rory, how are you, sir? Hi, I'm good, buddy. And on the line, as always, Aidan O'Sullivan.
1: Gentlemen, how are we today? All good, kid.
0: All good. Um, lot to talk about on the show tonight. Uh, A busy weekend coming up in the Premier League A lot of big matches And uh, the title picture could be a little bit clearer After this weekend we'll discuss that a little bit later on in the show We're also going to be talking boxing And anything else that comes into our head Over the next while or so. Our guest today is Ken Doherty. We are going to be talking to him a little bit later on in the show about uh, his career and uh, the state of snooker at the moment. We'll be hearing from Ken a little bit later on. We're going to hear from him in about five minutes uh, before we talk uh, Premier League, but after we talk about international football. Um, I think you all know my thoughts on international football at this stage. I don't like it.
1: You love the friendlies, Rory. You love friendlies. Inter- Is there anything
0: worse than watching international friendlies, lads?
2: Yeah, well, my highlight of my highlighted, uh, the two weeks was uh, um, uh, Harry Redknapp's interview with uh, the Jordan. Do you see that on the internet? No. It was very funny. He's, he's coaching Jordan now at the moment, and it went viral there. Jordan, the, the glamour the, model? The No, the, the country, <laughs> isn't it, I think. That would be so, interesting. Yeah, I know. <laughs> But uh, he's questioned him and some fella came up interview interviewed him and it was hilarious as well worth YouTubing.
0: All right. Um, let's talk about um, Ireland. Um, I assume we have a lot to talk about after international weekend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's a joke. There you see, I bring jokes to the table. Yeah. Um, does anybody really care? I mean, like Ireland played Slovakia last night in a game that was utterly meaningless. A lot of players playing out of position. A lot of players just playing for the sake of it. Um, so yeah Meh Would be my reaction to that
2: The bigger Like it yeah, does not uh, Yeah it, like or Ireland aren't as interesting I think as England At the moment Because I think uh, England had an interest In two weeks to beat Germany What was Came back from two goals down to beat them uh, 3-2 And then they last. Uh, uh the Netherlands last night was it two one.
0: That was an interesting boom bust, right? Because um Sunday we all woke up to the news that um England the had the already Euros. won the Euros and yeah. there was no point in anyone else turning up. Uh, but, but. and now we're waking up to the news that Roy Hodgins would be sacked. So I mean like what is it?
2: Yeah, it's, it's no, look I Well maybe not sacked I'm making that yeah. up like, but No, but look I look I was talking to the at the weekend about this and um England, they they look like they have an array of quality again, but England probably be the same old England in the Euros. They'll probably crash out in the in the quarterfinals or semifinals, and um, yeah, like they, you might say, they do have an array of talent, but they have an array of talent uh, competing in uh, a very mediocre Premier League. Is a lot
0: of focus now is going to turn on Wayne Rooney and whether or not he should be in this England team, uh, whether or not he unbalances the England team by being in it. Uh, Jamie Vardy's looked right at home for England over the last uh, couple of games. He just made made it look uh, easy. Um, So the big question is, if Rooney's fit, um, should he start for England? Should he even be brought to the Euros if he's just coming back from injury? Aidan, what do you think?
1: Yeah, looking at this, I think my, my four strikers for England are Harry Kane, Jamie Vardy, and I'll put in Danny Welbeck. And you have to bring um, Wayne Rooney. I think, um, you know, there's lots of debate about it. Um, he's been, you know, will he be kept out of the side by by Kane? And, of course, Fardy, who's absolutely on fire. As you say, you know, the goal he scored against Germany um, was absolute class. That back mm. he oh, was a bit a touch of class. And, you know, they are the guys in form. But I think Wayne Rooney, you know, as, as the captain, I think, you know, he's a must. He must go. Um, as I say, he's the captain. He leads the side. So for me it's Harry Kane, Wayne Rooney, James Vardy and Danny Welbeck. I don't see anybody else going. What do you think?
0: No space for Storage.
1: No, not for me. Not for me. If if it's between Rooney and Storage then I bring Rooney as the captain. Jeez. What
0: do you think Ned?
2: Yeah, I'd I probably go along with that. Like it's a big call leaving Storage out, but um yeah, like Vardy is on, on real form, but I still think Rooney we might I know you have to pick on farm and all that, but I think at times Rooney is one of England's best ever strikers and I think sometimes reputation has to come for something and that definitely bring Rooney and uh then whether you start him you just have to see what farmer is closer to the tournament. But uh Rooney is definitely one of England's best ever, and you can't leave him out. You know.
0: Uh yeah, but the, will he start over in France? That's the big question. I mean, like if Faraday's in a rich, famous form, do you really want to take him out and play Rooney up centre forward? Oh. Is there a place for Rooney behind in in the the kind of three behind the striker? I mean, like what three there, players would you play there? there?
2: Actually, yeah, yeah, there could be room for Rooney in behind actually, because. Like Rooney hasn't been that prolific in scoring in the big tournaments, you know. Like it, he only got his first World Cup goal in the last World Cup, wasn't it? Um, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one to call. It, it, there's there's still a long way to go, you know. I think I don't know when Rooney's back. He's surely back now in a few weeks, is he? Or but there's still a long way to go. And once we get closer to the tournament, we'll know then, uh, who should be starting. Really, like, you know.
0: Yeah, it's very interesting to see uh, that Rooney situation is going to take up an awful lot of Kyle um, uh, Minche's I think, over the next couple of months. Well, and I think yeah. it's going to be used as a rod to beat uh, Hodgson with regardless, because if he doesn't take Wayne Rooney, um, it's going to be a national outrage. If he yeah. doesn't start Wayne Rooney, it's going to be a national outrage. And if he does start Wayne Rooney and Wayne, Wayne Rooney is rubbish, it's going to be a national outrage. I think he's in an unwinnable position here.
2: Yeah, he's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't. But uh...
1: And, and, and that's, why, that's why he'll bring him. That's why, that's why Rooney will go, because Hodgson is not the guy to take a chance. You know? yeah. I, I, I think he brings Rooney, and he plays Rooney in the number 10 role behind Harry Kane. Harry Kane, you know, he's absolutely flying. He's the league's top scorer, Premier League's top scorer. Never makes a good point there's a lot of football to be played before the tournament start, but Harry Kane has got 21 goals this season. I think he starts, I think Wayne Rooney starts in the ten. And I think Hodgson plays him. I, th- I think uh, obviously Wayne Rooney depends on the fitness when he comes back from Manchester United and how he plays. But I, I, think, uh, I think Roy Hodgson is a conservative coach. And I think he'll start Ray Rooney in the number 10 role. He can always take him off and bring on Vardy. He can always take him off and bring on Welbeck. You know, he can move around there. But for me, Wayne Looney goes and Wayne Rooney starts at his fit with Harry Kane up front for England
0: Yeah I think definitely it's uh, Kane starting up front and probably Welbeck Rooney and Sterling behind him but as we mentioned Fardy's a great man to come off the bench but yeah if Harry Kane keeps on scoring the way he's scoring um, if he doesn't start it'll be national outrage as well mm. uh, to be perfectly honest photo.
2: Just with, It's funny with the international friendlies. just have a look at the results and for to be on the screen they're all over the shop you really don't know what to make it's like nearly the league in GA you know just you won't, you <laughs> won't really know till, uh, till the championships till the Euro start like you know but an interesting one there was uh, Portugal beating Belgium 2-1 a lot of people who see Belgium as are they up to and they are in the top three in the world at the moment aren't they Belgium and uh, that's 47 goals for Ronaldo club and country which is incredible to be honest what a man yeah and what uh, a man Germany certainly bounced back with a four-one win against Italy. So you know you don't know Germany lost England one week and then they hammer Italy. So you know it's how can you judge the friendlies really? Yeah,
0: you don't basically because I mean like as we saw last night with Ireland, um, they basically um just went out with half a team. I think James McLean playing up front. I mean, like who does that? I mean, like I know he might have played there once or twice for uh for West Brom, but. Uh, yeah, I don't think you can read too much into them uh, uh, yeah. uh, as you mentioned but uh, I think that's enough international football talk one uh, day lads what do uh, you uh,
2: think just uh, one last thing I'd say is France I think if anyone I think they could be worth a bet in the Euros they beat Russia 4-2
0: they also they have about 100 million
2: top class players as yeah. well you know right. I, if I was going to have a few quid in anyone I'd have a few quid in France you see
0: Piatt's uh, free kick last night it was unreal Unbelievable! Yeah. Just curled in, hit off the post. Any free kick that goes in off the post, or even better, the underside of the crossbar, is just class. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, um, France, you, yeah, not a bad bet.
1: Yeah, definitely. Has has Payet played his way back into the French team? You know, he's um, he's had some troubles in the past. Uh, Payet, um has a bit of a reputation, but I think uh, the form that he's shown for West Ham, and of course his free kick ability, as you've mentioned, um, that puts him definitely in the squad and perhaps since the starting eleven. Uh, when France uh, started
2: the Euros. But for me, France are the favourites. Yeah, um, I think they'll they, be going all out to they, win it on, on, on home oh, side. You know. they, they got serious players. So, it, Rory, who do you think going to win the Euros?
0: Uh, I don't know, to be perfectly yeah. honest about it. Ireland are going to <laughs> win it. Obviously, they're going to win all of their matches, and then they are going to win all of their matches I'm gonna, in studios.
2: I'm not going to carry away after the last year's, anyway. We got bait out the gate, and uh, that was the most
0: soul crushing uh, experience my entire life, realizing how utterly shit Ireland were.
2: But it was annoying because every tournament we've always went in, as Jack Charlton said, we're not there. To, we're going there to compete. now you know, and every tournament we have put on a good show. We're truck. not
0: here to take part. We're here to take over. <laughs> yeah, well, we got we got bait out the
2: gate. You know.
0: Yeah. Let's try and keep I the think, expectations I think, I think in
2: check.
1: Tactics, think tactics, tactics had a lot to do with that.
0: Ireland had that tactics in the last world. Euros?
1: No, that's the problem. They didn't. <laughs> uh, I, think, uh, <laughs> I think Trapp went out there maybe with a, with a certain mindset. And, you know, I think getting, getting to that tournament was the achievement for Trapattoni. I think, yeah. you know, th- the fact that they had qualified with the players that they had, he felt that that was uh, maybe enough. And then when they actually got to the tournament, you know there wasn't much happening really, and as you say, they were they were heavily beaten. So what we want to do now, and Roy Keane has said this, is that you know we want to go there, we want to make an impression. You know, yes, we've got three tough games, but you know we want to go there, we want to do something. We just we just don't want to go there and come home uh, like it was the last time. So. I'd be confident uh, that Ireland will definitely put up um, some good performances, and that's you know that's as much as we can hope for, and hope that the results take care of themselves after that.
0: Right, that's our international football chat on the Benchwarmers Red FM podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about the week's Premier League fixtures very, very shortly. Uh, but first, uh, Ken Doherty, World Snooker Champion, nineteen ninety seven. Uh, he's a A hero of all of ours I think I think everyone remembers Watching Ken Doherty Win the World Championship In 1997 Never got a chance To speak to him earlier on So this is Neville's chat With the legend that is Mr Ken Doherty
2: I suppose we'll start off uh, How did I start Your snooker career first And how old were you And how did you start Playing snooker And who turned you To snooker in the first place
3: Oh Jamie You're going back now <laughs> yeah. Well I remember Watching it on uh, I used to watch Pop Black with my dad uh Many years ago, I think I started watching it when I was about eight years of age, uh, and I saw Alex Higgins play, and I saw this guy potting balls for fun and flying around the table at the same time. And Pop Black those days, used to come only on TV, I think, once a week, and it was like every Thursday night or something like that, from half eight to nine or nine till half nine, something like that. And I was allowed to stay up to watch it and just watch that one frame. And, And when I saw Higgins play and the fact that he was Irish and everything, and uh, he was so charismatic, so entertaining and, and that, that and there was a couple of snooker clubs in, in Renlet at the time as well, that I sort I sort of put one and one together and, and drew that affinity and, and uh was just hooked onto it from, from there on in and then I got a little snooker table from Santa when I was uh that Christmas, you know, I was at the end of my bunk bed, a two foot by one foot snooker table and, and it gave me hours of pleasure and I was I was hooked in from straight from then, you know.
2: Yeah, and is it true that you have played your entire career with a Warp cue, which you selected ran- randomly from your... I did, yeah. I
3: picked, up my, uh, I picked up the queue that I have today. I picked it up in Jason's uh, when I was about 11. Yeah. And that's gone back to 1981, I think I have it since now. And uh, somebody had left it behind. And I knew all the club uh, cues in Jason's because... You know, to get free snooker, I used to have to clean out the ashtray, sweep the floor, do a bit of hoovering, you know, do a bit of polishing, and then I was allowed to maybe play a, a frame snooker on the uh, on the full size snooker table, which was next to the window. I didn't have to turn the light on, of course, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they just let me uh, play next to the window. That was our light, the sunlight, and uh, I knew all the. Q was in the club and somebody had left this behind it was put on the pill rack and uh, I picked it up, asked the manager could I have it? He said, Give us a fiver for it and as broad double of X as you would do. Couldn't didn't have a fiver of course, went around, asked my mother for the money and told her I'd be do all the chores and she gave me a fiver and then eventually after much persuasion I put two pound, changed it in the post office into five old pound notes. Yeah. Put two pound in one hand and three pound the other and offered them the two pound chance in the arm. Yeah. And he looked at the two pound, looked at the queue and uh, says, give us the two pound. And I have that queue ever since. And nobody, thankfully, came back to claim the queue. Yeah. And that was the queue that I won the World Championship and everything else with it. And I still have it now. And that's uh, a long, long time ago.
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's it's, it's a good story. Because I think every player in any sport has their own uh, little thing. You know, whether you wear the, yeah. same, the same jocks in the same match or whatever, you know. But Yeah, um, yeah,
3: yeah. It's funny, like because when you go back to those days, when I started off, playing on that full size table you know I was only like 8, nine, ten years old and, and I was still I wasn't like tall enough to really to reach for certain shots. so I used to have the old the old Jacob's biscuit tin you know yeah. and uh, I used to kick it around the table like stand on it and play a few of the shots where the white might be in the middle of the table but it's funny when you start beating somebody older guys, you know somebody they used to hide the biscuits, you know. Yeah, you
0: know. yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> They used to really struggle there with the, the ball, but that of course because of that, then you become a good rest player because you get to use the rest quite a bit. You
2: know. Yeah. Just uh, the other thing, I suppose the one you're the only player to win uh, the 1989 World Championship as an amateur, and mm. then the '97, which I suppose everyone would like to hear against yeah. um, who was it, Stephen Hendry, was it? Uh, 80, yeah, yeah. 80.
3: Well, I was the only one up until uh, Stuart Bingham because he's world amateur champion now, and he won the world championship last year. But I'm still the only one to win the the junior championship, the the amateur championship, and the and world professional championship. So I still have that. Nice the next one on the list will be the World Senior Championship. So, yeah. uh, but it's not—it's not one that you aspire to winning as a as a as a young lad starting out,
2: you know. Yeah, but like, talk to us about that because, like, I suppose, yeah. the whole country was behind you that time, like, and it yeah, was yeah.
3: I mean, it was—it was amazing. I mean, uh, uh, I was playing Stephen Hendry in the final. You know, I, I, uh, you know, was completely uh, overwhelming underdog Stephen Hendry. A, one or five years previously he hadn't been beaten for five years, and he was going for six in a row, so you can imagine uh but in a way like i, I even though I was long odds against to beat him i sort of I sort of dreamed about it, you know from that yeah. day as a kid, like you know I was an eight year old and when I got that table at the, at the end of my bunk bed, I always dreamed about being world champion, and I could see it, you know, yeah. and even though I was against Stephen Hendry, i wasn't like scared, I was very relaxed. I'd beaten them a few times as a professional uh, and that had given me confidence, but I could just see myself winning I, I really did, I saw it in my dreams I saw myself lifting the cup you know, when I was in Sheffield, every night I went to bed, all I could see was me picking up that cup and ki- kissing it you know, and that, that was in my head all the time and, and that sort of helped me with the confidence and relaxed me a little bit, but when it got down to the last uh, session I mean, I played superbly well in the final. I 5-3 up at the first session. I won the second session 6-2, so it was 11-5 like five up yeah. uh, going into the second day. Uh, then we drew 4-all. I ended up 15-9, even though I was 15-7. Uh, but the last session, I got the most nervous because uh, Stephen Hendry won the first three frames and that's when the pressure and then the occasion really sort of started to kick in and I thought, You know, maybe, you know, he could, he's going to come back. Because we'd seen Stephen Hendry over the years come back from precarious positions before. He was great. He had a great heart and great bottle and he never gave up. And uh, I didn't want them to do it against me in the final of the World Championship of all places. And I just thought, just try and hold yourself together. But I was as nervous as a kitten. And I managed to win the frame 16 12 and then go into an interval. Uh, And I sort of broke his sort of run because he'd run up five frames in a row. And, and, that relaxed me then again totally and then I came out and won the next two and uh, it was just like just exactly as I dreamed it it was the best day uh, and the best night in my life and, and uh, something that you know in professional terms that you would never you never experience and of course the whole homecoming the whole the fact that the whole country was watching it that RT had started taking the pictures yeah. for the last session uh, the first time they'd ever done that for the world championship from BBC yeah. so the whole country could see it from 7 to 10 the famous story is that you know there wasn't one phone call into the central police station in Dublin, and the superintendent told me that story. And he says, "Doherty, when he met me at the uh, at the at the airport when I came home with the cup, he told me, you know, we didn't have a one one phone call into the central police station in Dublin during the era that you were playing that final." And um, he said to me, "You should be on telly more often." He says, "You make my job a hell of a lot easier." <laughs> you know, but that was one of the funny stories of it. But it was a, a fantastic uh, homecoming and uh, it was like, you know, it was like all your birthdays and dreams coming together at once.
2: Yeah, it's it's funny though that you said, like, you dreamt it, that you said you could do it, like, because, like, yeah. just like, I suppose, being, a, I mean, watching the golf, if I compare it, is to that, golfers will be kind of the same, like, but when you, when you started in that final, was it, you were just, when you were hitting the balls, was it, was everything was sticking and it was just your night as well that it was, everything was? Yeah,
3: uh, I just, I, I was just excited by it, you know, I wasn't, it was more excitement uh, I couldn't wait to get out and play I couldn't wait to get out and test myself against them you know it was a great atmosphere you know the final of the world championship you're coming down those stairs into the music you know yeah. and you've got a lot of ex great players there in the audiences and stuff watching you yeah. and uh, it's just uh, it's it's what you've watching, been watching over the years like you know watching all the great champions watching Higgins win it in 82 Dennis Taylor win it in 85 you know Jimmy White Failing, and uh, you know six times in the final. Yeah. And uh you just wanted to be out there and be a part of it, be a part of history and uh, yeah, it was it, w- it was nerve wracking but at the same time it was exciting. I was excited. I couldn't wait to get out and play. Anymore.
2: Yeah. And just uh, I suppose we got a lot of young listeners and I suppose a lot of young fans on Facebook and Twitter like if there's any yeah. young snooker players uh listening, what do you think are the most important qualities for a snooker player?
3: Um the most important qualities uh, well, I always say there the S's, in, in in any sport, no matter what you do yeah. you know uh, uh speed strength, stamina, skill, and spirit they're the five s's i mean and you can relate them to all sports you know, and even in snooker and you could say well strength is uh, how the strength how do you need strength well, you need strength of character, strength of mind, you know yeah, but the the most important of those five S's, the strength skill stamina uh as and spirit um, is of course uh, spirit you know and if you don't have spirit if you don't have that will you know you don't have that hunger and determination to do it you know and, and also to put in the, the hours of, of practice and stuff but if you don't have spirit no matter how talented you are you'll never win anything you know so that's what I would always encourage I try to encourage that to my own son you know who, yeah. who is, uh taken up tennis who loves the game of tennis I say you know that's exactly all you need you know as well as like the dedication and the hard work and the practice like and the sacrifice that you have to make uh but you always need spirit and that that that's, that's all i could say to anybody who's listening in any sport whether it be snooker or golf or tennis or soccer or football gaa or, or hurling anything you know yeah. uh if you don't have spirit you can never be a proper winner
2: yeah since I suppose then, since two thousand nine, you're kind of after going into the the media gigabit a bit small. But you remember yeah. on BBC, how's that going? on? Oh, I think you're on the radio yourself, Ken. Are you? Or yeah, yeah,
3: I do. I have my own. Uh, we have a, a radio show at Sunshine Radio uh, every Saturday morning with Reggie Corgan. You know, former Leinster, oh, yeah, yeah. Irish international rugby international, and uh, it's just. Uh, I love I love sport. I love talking about sport. I don't claim to be an expert, even in even in snooker, to be honest, but. Uh, I do love, I love the chat, I love the banter. Uh, we keep it very lighthearted, hearted and, uh, you know, we sort of take the mickey out of each other at every given opportunity or whoever may come on the show. And, but at the same time, we, we like to talk about what we feel about the sport or, yeah. or issues that might come up in different sports. And it's it, whatever, whatever the topicals may be at that time or that weekend. Uh, but also even working with the BBC, you know, we sit down, you know with the other lads with, with, yeah. uh, you know Steve Davis or John Parrott or Stephen Hengie or even in the commentary box with Willie yeah. and Dennis Taylor and John Virgo that, you know they're a good bunch of lads they're, they're great fun to be around yeah. and we all love snooker we don't treat it as work at all it's not work we're just you know we're all together we're having fun together we're enjoying each other company and talking about the sport that we love so I mean, yeah. it doesn't get much better than that
2: and I suppose speaking of the banter I suppose quickly because we're under pressure now with time Ken but yeah uh, you're a Man United fan <laughs> Derek, I am you're yeah, yeah. giving a I'm lot of uh, people uh, <laughs> <an intro ahead. laughs>
3: yeah uh, well there's nothing to be nothing to be too excited about Man United this year that's for sure uh, they've been really struggling yeah, it was sorry, a good win over City exactly. but um, oh, yeah. you know it's been the, the, the good performances have been few and far between unfortunately this season oh, I mean, since Ferguson left the sort of wheels have come off a little bit but hopefully you know there's a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel and a bit of sun on the horizon as they say. they got some new players young players as well so Maybe the future uh, It's going to take A couple of years To get to where They were before But uh, hopefully With a new manager <laughs> they, they might do You
2: know. Alright Ken It's a pity I'd love to talk to you I'd love to speak About Ronnie yeah, yeah, And no a few problem. other things But we're, I might get you Again another week Sure anyway Yeah absolutely No problem Thanks we'll for that be. Ken so, okay, okay pleasure
0: Okay that was Neville Chatting to Ken Doherty, Who is a hero of mine I interviewed him Many many years ago And it was an Incredible experience um, I assume And you remember Watching that game In 97
1: fantastic achievement for for Ken Doherty you know and such a you know such a great role model for the sport of snooker you know a guy who works really really hard still works hard obviously and you know but that that world championship win it was just so important for, for Ken and so important for Ireland at the time and you know just one of, one of the one of the nice guys the real nice guys of, of world sport
0: That's what I was going to say he was he's such a terribly terribly nice guy um, yeah, I was delighted. Uh, 1997, that was so as a, a firm, uh, one of my favourite sporting mem- memories. I remember um, RTE weren't showing the coverage, and they made an emergency deal with the BBC, I think, at the time to um, yeah. to, to broadcast uh, the last session live. And then he eventually went on to uh, to beat Stephen Hendry, 1812. Incredible stuff from Ken Doherty. And it was great to hear from him on the uh, Benchwarmers FM podcast. All right, uh, looking ahead to the week's action, um, the Premier League is back. Thank. Christ. I'm sure you're all saying after staring at the walls and boredom all weekend going I wish there was proper football on Uh, the big game of the day on Saturday is undoubtedly at Anfield uh, where Liverpool take on Tottenham Hotspur this is a massive game for Tottenham's uh, title aspirations they're facing a Liverpool side who on their day can be quite decent Um, so it is a massive massive test for them on Saturday uh, as they look to reign in Leicester
2: yeah, well, I made a, a complete aim to myself here last week, confusing uh, Southampton with Stoke. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah
0: we'll, we'll move swiftly on. We'll now, move we'll on but
2: forget about that. Yeah, about but that. the reason I bring it up is because I actually thought Liverpool had a sneaky out, out, outside chance of four-play still, but then with the loss to Southampton, forget it. So really, in this one, Liverpool have nothing to play for now against Tottenham, but still, they'd love nothing more to take down Tottenham because they believe that Liverpool being a big club of former years that they're the ones that should be up there not Tottenham so they'd love to crush Tottenham's party Well
0: Liverpool still sort have of, um, European aspirations as well I mean like I know they're 6 points off Manchester United and 6 plays at the moment uh, but they do have a game in hand so they'll be going to win this game for their own needs I think not just uh, for the sake of beating Tottenham because they, they still want to, to push for Europe
2: yeah they will No I suppose they will But for me I think realistically They blew it against uh, Southampton last weekend But yeah You know It's still mathematically possible But I think uh, I think with Tottenham The vein of form they're in I think they should They should take Liverpool But having said that You can write off Liverpool With players like Firmino uh, Sturridge You know they got some Firmino is uh, top class Yeah he's unreal And Liverpool lose still have A bit of quality in the team So it's definitely Half five Kick off is well worth to watch
0: yeah, it's going to be a cracking game. I think even for the neutrals, it's a game Tottenham can't afford to lose. They're five points behind Leicester City uh, heading into the game, and uh, it could be a good game, Eden.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a great game. I think um, your point is correct on Liverpool. They're still fighting, but are you know are Liverpool a happy squad at the moment? You know that whole Christian Benteke thing. You know he's he's come out. Yeah. There. It's you know he's he's not happy. Or it hurts to be left on the bench. I think is 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 his comment. You know, uh, and I think Jorgen Klopp has treated Benteke unfairly. Really, uh, I think to tried him on the pitch um, in the last game in front of you know in front of the the TV cameras and in front of everyone in the ground. I think obviously he doesn't fancy Benteke, and he's a guy that could be out the door. Another guy that could be out the door for for Liverpool perhaps. Strong rumours that Jordan Henderson. Um, maybe even in the summer as well And that maybe Klopp doesn't fancy him either He's the, um, the captain of Anfield at the moment And you know there's strong strong that He's fighting for his future this summer So you know are all things happy in the camp? I'm not sure Is Klopp maybe thinking about getting rid of some players in the summer? Most definitely You mentioned Firmino Obviously a class player Coutinho is another guy who's a fantastic player So they'll be well prepared From the sports side of things I think the international break Maybe they didn't need it because they have so many players involved with the England setup now at the moment. We mentioned Harry Kane already on the podcast. This guy's in unbelievable form. And his, as we said before, his link up play with Daly Alley is superb. And Daly yeah. uh, you know, played a fantastic game for England against Germany. And he's, a, you know, for a guy who's 19, I think he's going to be one of the stars of the Euros in the summer. So Liverpool against Spurs. Spurs obviously keeping the pressure on Leicester. Liverpool looking for that Champions League position. It's going to be a great game. Half five kickoff, perfect time.
0: Is anybody giving Arsenal a chance? They're uh, nine points off Leicester at the moment. They're 11 points off, excuse me, but they do have a game in hand. They play Watford this weekend, but I think uh, their goose is cooked, isn't it?
2: Well, it's, it's not over till it's over. you know. I think in situations like this, you just have to worry about yourself. You, Whatever will happen around you will happen. You just have to knock off your own games. But I think, yeah, I think Arsenal, same old Arsenal. I think they shot themselves in the foot there uh, earlier. During around what February March time when they or before that when they couldn't uh they when they went through a, a a run of losses and draws and stuff you know so yeah I think their goose could be cooked but you never know the outside they have an outside chance the one just a quick one I'd make is um what I'm looking forward which I actually think makes the Premier League one of the best is the the running for the relegation spots. Looking at there, Norwich are playing Newcastle and Sunderland have West Brom at home. I think Sunderland are going to get out of it, and I think West Ham have Crystal Palace. I think West Ham, or Crystal Palace. Could get pulled into the drop zone, and they could very well go down. You mm. know, so I think that's. I think the relegation battle is going to be very interesting as well on Saturday.
0: Well, they are seven points clear of the relegation zone at the moment, uh, so it be very, very interesting to see what happens there. Uh, just some news uh, reaching us here as we're recording this podcast. It's uh, in the the. Uh, it's about half ten on Wednesday morning, but uh, we just received news that uh, Manchester City defender Martin Michelis has been charged with misconduct in relation to betting by the Football Association. It's alleged the Argentine international broke the. FA's rule 12 times between the 22nd and the 28th of January. Now, no further details have been given. He's gotten to the next Tuesday to respond uh, to that charge. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. But that's just some news reaching us uh, at the moment. As we record the podcast, can't really comment on it, lads, because we don't know the full details. But it'll be interesting to see what happens there.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: All right. Um, elsewhere this weekend, uh, just looking at the, uh, the fixtures, uh, Manchester United and action against Everton. Um, at 4 o'clock on Sunday but as we mentioned it's all about the top of the table and Leicester taking on uh, Southampton and definitely not Stoke Neville yeah?
2: yes definitely not Stoke <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, so yeah my, uh, so Leicester taking on uh, Southampton side Southampton side we're still looking to, uh, to qualify for Europe next season uh, a potentially tricky one on paper for the Foxes but as we've discussed a couple of times on this uh, show over the last couple of weeks um Leicester can play poorly and still win um, and they quite happily take that again this weekend
2: yeah no Leicester they got (laughs) they play kind of like how oh, Arsenal well, use the the hitch on the counter With serious Pace During Verdi and Maris well, uh, I
0: think it's down to the way Their coach I think Claudio Ranieri Has been a, a breath of fresh air And um, for a man called The man, He hasn't been um, too keen To tinker with his squad This season uh, Tinker with his team And he's happy to just Let things flow naturally Which I think has been A big change in his outlook And it's uh, reaped rewards For Leicester
2: yeah, sure. I remember Ranieri. Uh, most Chelsea fans won't remember Ranieri, but me being a Chelsea, true Chelsea fan, I remember there the first when they got the, when they got the money, and then he got tossed out the door, uh, and Mourinho came in. But um, yeah, Ranieri's a. Quality coach and uh, he's done great jobs there with Leicester. It's funny there was an interesting stat there. I see someone tweeted, I can't what, I can't remember what clubs Ranieri coached, but a lot of the clubs he coached, he coached in Italy and other places. All the clubs have finished second. So you know in the in the league. So we hope that's not a bad omen for Leicester. But um, he's a, he's a quality he's a, he's a good manager, you know, and he probably should have been given more time at the time with Chelsea because. Believe it or not He he can take a lot of credit For where Chelsea are Because I think Do you ever hear the famous story Of how Abramovich bought uh, Chelsea Supposedly he was going to buy Tottenham but he happened to be driving around the London area, and they went past Chelsea, and he bought Chelsea because he found out Chelsea had Champions League football next season, and that was largely down to Ranieri getting him there. I remember it came down to the last game of the season between Chelsea and Liverpool, and he got him there. So Ranieri, a uh, quality coach, and uh, yeah, it'd be it's a great story the whole Leicester thing, like you know. But you know, it's unreal how they're after coming from zero to heroes in the in the last twelve months.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can maintain it. But this is a um, uh, a question we've asked every week on this podcast since we started a couple of months ago, is that like can they keep it up, can they keep it up? And they're showing no sense of slowing down. Um, hopefully, as we mentioned, the um, the international break won't have affected their um, momentum and, uh, and their preparation too much for the game. But they play Southampton at half past one on Sunday. And as we mentioned, uh, Manchester United against Everton. Uh, Everton, the club, in a, a little bit of trouble. They seem to be... Um, struggling a bit under Martinez recently Uh, they are down in 12th place and not even in the top half of the table so it will be interesting to see how that one pans out Aidan
1: definitely as you mentioned Everton they're in 12th position they're in mid table there Uh, you know you'd think they would be higher up the table to be honest Manchester United in 6th they're battling away with um with West Ham and Manchester City for the Champions League play. So it's a vital game for Manchester United to keep up the momentum uh, and to try and gain that top-four position. For Everton, um, I'm not sure. It, it's been a, a fairly uneventful year for Everton, really, I suppose, um, in the league. And, is Maxson
0: is going to be there next one. season?
1: Yeah, it's, it, you know, this question is popping up all the time and I think I think he's done a great job at everything. I think he's he's certainly brought them on, but you know they'd like to be finishing. You know, you know they should be aiming for Champions League positions themselves, and they just seem to be. I'm not sure they haven't been setting the world on fire, obviously this year in the league. So, you know, just just going back to Leicester there for a second. You know, I, I I've been going on about since Chris is about Leicester and the fact that they're going to blow up, but. They haven't done it, and part of that down is as you've mentioned there. It is Ranieri, and apparently it's a completely different um, way of training um, that they have been practicing at Leicester. Apparently, a lot of a lot of rest. Um, a lot of recuperation, not too much um, physical stuff, and as Neville mentioned, they're lethal on the counter attack, and that's down to Vardy and uh, and the pace that he's got. So um, I think I think everyone know all the neutrals are hoping that Leicester actually go on and do it. And we we spoke about Arsenal as well. I thought Arsenal were the team that were actually going to go on a drive and and actually go up the table because of the manager that they had. I thought that Finger had been in this position before, um, and when you consider Manchester. Manchester City, you know, Pep Guardiola is coming in, you know, there's a bit of unrest there. With Tottenham, Pochettino hasn't hasn't done it before at that level. And with Leicester you've got Ranieri, who had been there with Chelsea, but it's a the new club. So I thought that Arsenal were gonna drive on up the up the table, but they don't seem to have they don't seem to have do, done it and they mm. don't seem to be able to do it now. So I think Manchester City and Arsenal are out of it vital game for Spurs at the weekend, vital game for Leicester at the weekend, but I think everyone is hoping Leicester are going to go on and do it.
0: Certainly, sir, and a very exciting uh, Premier League weekend ahead. Uh, we're running rapidly out of time, so we're just going to move uh, attention briefly to uh, boxing and uh, to fight between Chris Eubank Jr. and uh, Blackwell at the weekend, um, which has left uh, Blackwell in uh, an induced coma. Uh, now, there's been a lot of talk um that uh, Nick Blackwell's life was saved by Chris Eubanks Sr. Uh, I think in the 8th round, after the 8th round, um, Eubanks Sr. went in uh, and uh, gave him uh, this piece of advice, which we're going to hear now. So that was it. He basically said, um, I'm not sure why the referee isn't stopping it. He should be stopping it. Um Um, so you're not going to stop him to the head you're going to stop him to the body now that's been interpreted in two different ways a lot of people have been interpreting it as um, Senior has told Junior to um, lay off the head um, shots because he is going to seriously injure Nick Blackwell if the fight continues the way it is another thing uh, and then the other interpretation is that Eubank Senior has realised that he doesn't want this to go to the hands of the judges, and that's why he's frustrated that the the judge or the referee hasn't stopped it. And he said he's not going to be stopped at headshots. You're going to have to start taking him out to the body. So it's interesting that there's two different um, um, perspectives on that piece of advice that Eubank Senior has given. Aiden, where do you fall in that?
1: I fall on the former. I think I think he's done it to protect the to protect Blackwell. Mm. I really do. Um, I think it was a, an excellent piece of advice if the rules had been reversed, I think senior would have would have stopped the fight. Yeah. Senior. I think I think he noticed that. You know, this guy is an experienced boxer. You know, he's been there and done it. He's a former world champion senior. So, you know, he's he knows his stuff and I think that I think it's valid and I think it's it's fair to say that he he, he did help to um, Stopped Nick Blackwell Getting more seriously injured Where do you fall In the referee's role Rory Do you think that It should have been Stopped earlier or See I'm I'm, I'm
0: kind of in two way? minds About this because yeah. um, Nick Blackwell was still Fighting up until that point um, He he's was Still fighting st- back He was still fighting back I mean like He was taking a few shots But he was still Defending himself And the referee sees that He's defending himself I mean like a lot of those shots That Eubank Jr. was landing Were, were on Blackwell's gloves I mean like The thing is Eubank hits very very hard uh, very, very hard indeed. Um, Spike Sullivan will tell you that. Spike fought him just before Christmas sure. and he ruptured Spike's eardrum. Um, that shows you how hard that dude can hit. Um, So those shots were landing. But I mean, like, it, it's a tough one for the referee. He sees the, the fighter fighting back and defending. So it's a tough one for him to call. Uh, the doctor got it right stopping it um, at that stage. And in fairness, fair play to the medics as well. Who realized that there may be an issue, even though Blackwell was responsive and upright and looked okay, insisted that he lie down in a stretcher after the fight, um, which was um, vital. We wish the guy. Well, we hope he makes a full recovery. Um, indications are Billy Joe Saunders tweeting today that uh, indications are that he'll make a full recovery. Um, so fingers crossed. But it's not nice to see, and it's um, it's yeah, it's tough being a boxing fan seeing a guy get seriously hurt after a fight like that, isn't it?
1: yeah it's, it's it look it's a, it's a difficult sport we know it's um obviously it's a it's a combat sport and uh, people are going to take heavy heavy shots but you know i would um, i would go with the with the fact that you know senior has really really helped out nick backwell in this in this position i don't blame the referee whatsoever mm. i don't blame um, i don't blame the corner i take the point that he was fighting back once the referee sees that he's defending himself and particularly that he's fighting back then the fight has to go on so you know, I don't. I don't blame the referee in any in any way, shape, or form. I take your point about the medics. You know, they did yes. absolutely fantastic job. But the fact that he has had to be induced into a coma is serious for the guy. And as
2: you say, all of us on bench warmers wish him the best.
0: Certainly do. We certainly do. And that's pretty much it from us for today.
2: There's one, I think, is worth mentioning because we got our first major of the year next week. Uh the Augusta Masters and Jason Day has topped Jordan Speed as world number one. He uh, he won the WGC in Delhi, uh, beating Warrior McIlroy and uh, he had the Australian. He's he's playing super stuff, and I can't wait for the Augusta Masters next weekend. Yeah, it
0: should be a cracker. All right, that's it from us for today. Thank you very much indeed for tuning in. You can follow Bench Warmers on social media,
2: BE Warmers and everything.
0: Follow at FM on Twitter, our sports shows at Big Red Bench, and you can follow Aiden own Cork.
2: People are
0: doing it. <laughs> I'm not even remotely surprised. Thanks, folks. We'll be back uh, on Monday next week. Uh, give it a bit of a rest this week because of uh, the bank holiday Monday. We'll be back Monday next week, and uh, we'll talk to them.